1: that weaves through most relationship skills programs is empathy. The ability, a developed skill actually, to vicariously put yourself in another person's shoes and try to see from their point of view, their world, their perspective. People are more familiar with the word sympathy, which means to feel for someone, particularly if they've experienced a loss of some kind. However, empathy means something quite different. The Oxford Dictionary defines empathy as the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. Another way to say it is empathy means to feel with or feel into, as in feel into the other person, which has powerful impact both for the empathizer and the person being empathized with. Empathy is a powerful state of mind. But it's not something we try to pound into ourselves. It's something we want to cultivate and let out. It's our capacity to have compassion and concern for ourselves and others. Empathy is really an internal motivator to be a caring person who is genuinely concerned about the well being of others, as well as one's own well being. In this episode, Valeria Tellis interviews Bento Leal. He is the best-selling author of the book Four Essential Keys to Effective Communication in Love, Life, Work, Anywhere. In it, he discusses some of these key communication and relationship skills from his own perspective and experience in their use and value, and they all revolve around this primary skill of empathy. Bento Leal is a relationship skills trainer and best-selling author, Who has taught marriage and relationship skills classes and parenting skills classes to more than 2,500 couples and singles at family resource centers, community organizations, churches, substance abuse recovery programs, county jails, and federal prison throughout California. In 2017, he published his first book, Four Essential Keys to Effective Communication in Love, Life, Work, Anywhere, it continues to be an Amazon bestseller in several categories and has sold more than 60,000 copies to date. Here is the interview with Bento Leal. In
0: your
2: own words, who is Bento Leo Well, I am a, um, obviously a human being, and I am a person who is very passionate about life. I'm a senior citizen. I, um... I've lived a long time, and uh, at the same time, I've learned a lot, but I feel I have a long way to go, and I'm really passionate to relate with people and to be a relationship-building person. That's what I'm all about. I'm very happily married, got three wonderful adult kids and uh, their relationships, and uh, I'm happy about life and I'm happy about the future ahead. That's me.
0: Wow. It all sounds really wonderful. Thank you for being you.
2: Thank you.
0: Before we talk about some of the topics in your book, Four Essential Keys to Effective Communication in Love, Life, Work, Anywhere, I have a few warm-up questions as I mentioned off record. So the first one it relates coincidentally to the way you opened, uh, I'm a human. So what does it mean to be a human being? <laughs>
2: Well, I think that's a that's a great question. I mean, um, none of us designed to be born, and we are born by forces beyond ourselves. And I think being a human is about being a creation. I believe in divine origin, so I believe there's a purpose for our being born at this particular time, to that particular family, and uh, the particular place, uh, country, nationality, whatever where we're born. But I think the what it means to be human is to be a social person. We are designed reaching out, our arms reach out, our eyes look out, our mouth looks out, our ears reach out. We're designed to relate to the world around us and to other people. I think we're designed to be social people, for sure. I don't think you can live on your own. You certainly couldn't survive on your own out of your mother's womb. So I think we're just uh, simply designed to be people who relate well with others. And as we do, we, we expand our circle. I relate to you, you relate to me, we relate to other people, and we create a fabric of fellow humans uh, to make a great society and world. So I think we're an individual. At the same time, I think that we're uh, designed to interrelate, interconnect into larger spheres, family, society, nation, world like that.
0: Right. Wow. I love the way you said that. You said something that I never heard before. You said that we are designed to connect. And then you mentioned the senses that is, in a way, reaching out to experiences outside of ourselves. What an interesting perspective, because it makes sense to me very much. So everything is designed to reach out to others in the world and embrace experiences in a way.
2: Yeah, and to add to that, we're designed to reach out, and by reaching out, it allows the world and others to reach into us. So I think it's symbiotic in that way, in that, yes, I'm reaching out, but by, but by extension, by that openness and vulnerability, I allowed others and the world to reach into the core of myself. So I think I find my deepest identity as I relate out. So it's kind of a interesting uh, dynamic Yeah, to reach out the more you reach in and vice versa, I think.
0: I love that, Bento. Absolutely love that. I never heard it this way. (laughs) Wow. Um, What is your own definition for well-being?
2: Well, I think those words, uh, let's say those two words, well and being, I think uh, well-being is a sense of self-stability, self-peace. There's a lot of words about mindfulness and, and feeling in tune with oneself, at peace with oneself, happy with oneself. I get into that in my book about self-awareness, uh, the value of that, uh, empathic awareness of myself and others. Um, I think uh, well-being is, uh, well, we can take that emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, physically, uh, relationally. Uh, well has uh, wide reference, but I think being at peace within oneself, who one is, um, happy with oneself, even though we have our shortcomings, but to look at the brighter side, I think, more than where our limitations are and know that, well, there's just places to grow and correct and improve. Um, but well-being is happy to be alive. I think gratitude has a lot. I'm grateful to be alive. I think that's a part of being well-being. Grateful for the good and even grateful for the challenges because I think we grow through challenges. Uh, so, yeah, that's a uh, Long answer to a beautiful question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, wonderful
0: answer, too. I love the way you talk about inner peace and gratitude. And that relates directly to effective communication, in my view. Because if we are at peace with ourselves, then we are able to communicate with kindness and empathy, as your work is all about. It's so true. So my next question is, warm-up question, is about freedom. What is freedom to you, Bento?
2: Mm, freedom. Beautiful. Beautiful question. It's related, obviously, to the other uh, questions, well-being, etc. I think freedom is the opportunity to express oneself uh, freely at the same time to relate and be, be related to. So in other words, I can express myself to you. I'm free to have you relate, re- express yourself to me and the world around me to express itself to me as I express myself there. I also feel that freedom, uh, there's a level of lawfulness to it. In other words, I'm free to fly if I'm in an airplane, but I'm not free to fly if I jump off a mountain, off a cliff, and then get surprised that I, I can't <laughs> flap my wings and keep going. So I think yeah. I think there's freedom within a level of, of lawfulness. And I also think uh, natural laws, but also relational laws. I think there's uh, freedom and responsibility. I'm not free to hurt you, but I'm free to care about you. I'm not free to shout fire in a movie theater when there's no fire. I'm not free to hurt somebody or um, uh, things of that nature. So there's natural law freedom, like jumping off the cliff, as I mentioned, and there's, there's also relationships. Uh, freedom within uh, a sphere of being responsible with that freedom—that's what I mean by the word responsibility—and uh, to to agree with that and to appreciate that. I mean, I'm glad that you and I are here right now, but we're not having to worry about the law of gravity. That's why we're not hanging onto the <laughs> furniture around us to make sure we don't fly away. So, True. <laughs> so there's some there's some lawfulness that we take for granted, but you know, we're free to live within those laws that often we take for granted. But even people sometimes we we forget that. Uh, my freedom doesn't mean I'm free to step on your toes or to hurt you. And so when my freedom violates your freedom, that's not freedom, that's that's violation.
0: Interesting point about not being free to hurt others. And what would you say to those who think and act and behave in such a way? To this idea that this, it's okay, that I'm free to hurt the other.
2: Well, that's, that's a total violation of what it means to be human. And that person's actually dangerous. Uh, That's why we uh, put people behind bars if they think they're free to go and and mug or or kill somebody. Um, So I think that, you know, there's there's ways to, I know you you probably talk about uh, having establishing borders in terms of oneself and one relationship, what's allowable and what's not, what's permissible to say or do to me and what's not, and myself to others. Uh, That, uh, yeah, so I obviously... um, Freedom, that's licentious. That's that's not, that's not, I don't think that freedom deserves to be uh, hijacked by that kind of person. They say, I'm free. No, you better use another term, but that's not freedom.
0: I like that. <laughs> yeah, so that wouldn't be freedom, right?
2: No, 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 no. Don't steal that <laughs> word and use it another way. No. Yeah,
0: so that would be, what's the word? Would you say lack of awareness, self-awareness?
2: I think it would be self-centered behavior. Uh, I think, will be uh, not altruistic and not uh, free within uh, within the circle of uh, humanity. We would, call, we would call such cells that do that cancerous cells. So when a cell turns on itself and starts cannibalizing other cells of the body, well, you can say it's free to do that, but suddenly it kills uh, the organ, it kills the body, and ultimately it kills itself. So um, you could say, well, it was free, but no way. We want to medicate that, we want to isolate that, and... That's not going to help for a healthy body, for sure.
0: Yeah. You connected freedom to inner peace and gratitude. So there is a state of being that's a lot more in alignment with communities, with ourselves and others. So that makes sense. So if we violate that and we, and we try to hurt others, it's because we don't have the inner peace to start with.
2: Right. I think that's a very good point. And I think that's a lot of, a lot of life is learning. How to be the the best, healthiest self I can be, and uh, we don't we don't have we're not born with that. I think we want to grow into a family that ideal is like a school of love or a cradle of love where we grow in love and we learn how to share and and uh, ultimately uh, become united in love with a partner and parent, be parents ourselves. But uh, yeah, I think we I think we grow in that.
0: So uh, I have a few more questions. The next one relates to the current situation, I would say. Um, At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? And do you have a vision for a new reality? In
2: America, well, certainly we're dealing with the COVID virus, the pandemic which uh, has taken over and has claimed a lot of lives and still there's no answer for. Uh, And more recently, of course, we're aware of a gentleman that uh, got detained an African American gentleman that got detained wrongfully and and uh, not by proper be- proper means and and died at the hands of a white police officer in Minneapolis <clears throat> and of course all the chaos and and hurt and and it was like scratching the surface and and a big eruption has taken place so I think that right now uh, where I feel a calling and I feel this personally is if we're going to have a world of peace we can't. We can't band-aid issues again and again and again and wait for the same fire to happen in another place, another time, and we're not dealing with the core issues. And I think that, uh, um, as I can tell you personally, that my desire is to reach out to, I live here in San Leandro, which is a not right next to Oakland, California, okay? And where I know a lot of areas of Oakland that are hard hit and, and suffering, a lot of inner city, and where a lot of minorities, et cetera, et cetera, and there's been a lot, of, a lot of hurt and damage. And my, my desire is to be more involved with uh, some of the people there and to help in my own small way to provide opportunities for dialogue. And dialogue for me means you listen, not with the intent to reply or not with your own point of view, but you listen to be open to hear from their point of view, whoever they are, and to, to be vulnerable to hear something new that might change your perspective. Including my own, and uh, to to have people get together in dialogue that might normally not be able to listen to each other very well, but to provide opportunity for engagement and where <clears throat> where constructive behavior can happen locally. yes, we need we need good laws and policies from the state and federal government and this and that and the other thing. But ultimately, where I live where people live is where they want peace they want to be able to be peace to get get along with one another peace to go downtown peace to go to the store peace to this and that and uh to relate with one family of mankind so that's I really feel that we are designed as brothers and sisters and love is should be colorblind and uh, that we uh we got we got a ways to go but I think the, I think the moment is now the moment is now, and I don't think we can keep kicking this can down the road and think that it'll go away.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah, we tend to do that—to kind of uh, hide or run from what's happening because we don't want to face what is right. What's really needs to be addressed. I mean, we do this not just at a collective level, but also very
2: much uh, personal level. Well, we're afraid. We're afraid. Of We're afraid of confrontation and we don't know what to do if it happens. So it's more out of fear rather than um, fear of what's going to happen and what could happen and fear of not knowing what I could do to make any positive, positive change. And it's kind of like fear of the unknown. But staying isolated doesn't make solutions. So we ought to be willing to step out even in a, without knowing where it's going to go, but I think with sincere heart, openness, uh, maybe we'll find a way. So I believe that.
0: I love your wisdom. Thank you so much for your profound wisdom. So two more questions. Um, You mentioned love, so I need to ask the question, what is love to you?
2: Oh boy, that's (laughs) another great question. What is love? I think love is caring, concern, valuing, embracing, the other person. I think it has to do with oneself. Uh, embrace oneself, appreciate oneself, appreciate those around us. I think uh, love is serving. I think it's helping. It's being there. I think um, those, are all <laughs> those are all similar verbs, I guess, but as a noun, love, I think, would be the state of valuing being being a person of value and appreciating oneself and caring for oneself and others um i've been married for 40 years i love my dear wife and uh boy i i think like we're just getting started <laughs> i'm seeing we're both in our 70s okay but i feel like we got another hundred thousand years go. <laughs> I, I, I just, you know, we're just barely beginning to understand each other. And right. 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 but uh yeah, keep that kite going. Mm, wow. Keep flying. Yes.
0: Do you believe in unconditional self-love?
2: I think yeah. I think that's good. I like your, your qualification there of unconditional. I mean, I know I'm not perfect. And uh so I can beat myself up for where my, my my shortcomings are. Or I can say, that's a part of me that I, I really want to grow. And let me use the rest of me to help grow in that area. <laughs> so right, so right. Uh, if I'm strong over here and over there, then if I'm weak in here, well, let's see what we, the, the rest of me can do to punch that through and grow. <laughs> so uh, I think, uh, yeah, unconditional self-love. I think uh, we unconditionally love a child. Uh, we forgive them that they tip this over and that. And I got to unconditionally forgive those and uh, love those parts of me that still need to grow and know that I'm just not finished yet. Uh, <laughs> and um, I'm still I've still got a ways to go. Wow.
0: You speak for all
2: of us, I would say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> for sure. And my last question, warm up question. Um, what, where and who is God
2: to you? Wow. These warm-up Christians get warmer by the minute. Okay. <laughs> <All right. laughs> well, I think. That, thank you. I think that God is a the, the creator of everything. I think God is very personal. I think God is a being of heart and love, more than just cosmic energy, etc. I think that's more of the 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 energetic manifestation of God's energy. But I think behind that, God is. God is a God of parental love and concern. So I think that God is heavenly parent, if you will. I think it's the or, God is the origin of not only, uh, we often in, in faith traditions say heavenly father, but I think it's quite appropriate to say heavenly mother, maybe more collectively say an embr- embracing parent that cares for each and every one of us, regardless of our stratosphere, I mean, our, our stratification, whether it be economics or social, social status or this, that, and the other thing that we're all unique, special, beloved individuals, God's children, just as if you have seven kids, uh, you don't love six and don't care about the seventh, You you care for each one. I have three beautiful kids. They're all different. Each one is very different, but boy, they each grab a unique part of my heart. And uh, I believe if I feel that for three people and uh, the people around my immediate family, uh, how much more does God feel for each one of us? So I think that uh, there is a universal force, a universal heart, uh, and I'm grateful for that. And I think a God of forgiveness and a God of let's, okay, let's go forward. Let's uh, you 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 fell off there a little bit. Let's but let's dust up and and let's move ahead. I don't think I think God is a God of an embrace and second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh chances, and I don't think God is a God of damnation. That's that's for sure. I think that God is a God of uh, I love all of you. Let's let's uh let's go together. So I think that's uh, that's my that's my life of faith and that's my. That's my energy bunny within myself.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) That reminds me of unconditional love. Yeah, again, that word. Beautiful, beautifully said. Um, So let's talk about your work. And my first question had to be this one. Uh, How did you become a writer?
2: Well, I don't consider myself a writer. Interestingly enough, even though I wrote this book, which continues to be a bestseller on Amazon in several categories, which I'm so I'm very happy and I wanna say surprise, but because the topic is so good, I don't I, I guess I'm not surprised, but I'm not a writer. I'm a I'm a teacher. And what I what I've done for the past many years is so uh, is teach relationship skills in classes. I work with an organization that has a federal grant to do that uh, with uh, various audiences. I've taught in churches, I've taught family resource centers, jail, prison, all kinds of locations. So I'm a teacher of relationship skills. And I decided to make my own uh, condensed curricula, which is like a four or five hour class teaching that. And then I thought people really warmed up to it. And I thought, you know, I I think all I need to do is just take what I've been teaching in the class and just type it up. And with my daughter's help, one of my girls is a a great uh, um, editor and that's what she does professionally. So she helped me clean it up a bit and then uh, just put a cover on it and put it at Amazon. But I I uh, I I write my my book is kind of like a conversation rather than a didactic. You know, I'm I'm the big teacher. You better learn this. You know, I I, I feel my book. I tried to make it something that when somebody reads it, they feel like they're participating in some kind of a conversation. Uh, and uh, fortunately, all the. Over 300 somewhat reviews. Most of them are saying thank you. you. You talked, you spoke to something I needed, and so I'm, I'm very glad for that. So, but that's how I wanted to be a writer. Uh, I guess I wanted to. Now I'm. It's gotten. Uh, and right now, it's over 70,000 people have bought my book in three years, and uh, I could never have taught. Well, I hadn't taught that many people in classes. I've taught a, a couple of thousand in classes over the past 15 years, but not 70,000 people that. So I think that's the beauty of a book is that you get it goes all over the world and you're able to get it. So, um, yeah, so I'm writing my second book now is on how to uh, uh, build the parent-child connection with um, empathic listening and how important that is, regardless of any age of the child. So I want to do more writing uh, because I can see how effective it is. Mm -hmm. Right, right.
0: Why did you choose to become a teacher, Bento?
2: I love the the theme of relationship skills. I, I have a good family myself. I've learned that I, 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 uh, from a, a religious or faith point of view, the value of relating well with others uh, has always been valuable to me. And uh, I've been in situations both in church settings and also then my work with the faith, uh, nonprofits that that do teaching relationship skills. I just found myself just the door would keep opening. and Hey, Bento, could you teach this thing? And it was kind of like I just, the door would open. I'd just walk into it. into it, So uh, the more I got into it, the more I loved it, and the more I feel just very conversational with people, even my, in my live in-person classes, if I got 30 or even 60 or more people, uh, I think that I try to relate with this as if there's one person in front of me. I think uh, I always uh, like to have people have their name badge on, and I can talk to the guy in the back. Uh, just one-on-one, even though there's lots of people. And I just love it because I love when people, like with me, when I first got trained in relationship skills myself, it was like, wow, it was like a light bulb went off with me. And so when I teach others and I see the light bulbs go off in the class, you can see it on their face. And then they come up to you and, or they say in class, you know, I never knew that before. And here they have been, you know, they're alive for 50 years and been married for 30 years. And it's like, wow, I never knew that. Uh, then it's like, wow! How cool is that that you can help make light bulbs go off? So
0: <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. Wow! Yeah. Oh, I love what you do and how you do it. <laughs> I yeah. can hear yeah in your voice. Um, wow! We need more of this. So let's talk about empathy. What is empathy, and how is it different from sympathy, compassion, and love itself?
2: Okay, good point. Good point. And I do differentiate. I mentioned this right away in my book because, of course, I'm talking about uh, the four essential keys to effective communication. And every one of them has the word empathy in it, the four keys. Empathy means to feel uh, into or feel with somebody, uh, whereas sympathy means to feel for somebody. If somebody's had a loss of some kind, I'm, I'm here for you. If you want to talk, somebody to talk to, I might send uh, a sympathy card or flowers or whatever. But empathy is put yourself in the other person's shoes or try to see from their point of view. So I really love that definition. I think that that's vital in communication, especially when people are discussing something where they have different opinions about. And while I'm you're talking to me about your perspective, I'm still thinking about what I'm going to say next. That's not really listening to you. I think empathy means, okay, Bento, it's not about you right now, but it's listening to Valeria from her point of view about what she has to say on this very same subject. Pause your own feelings and try to listen where she's coming from, listening to the words and the underlying feelings, which may or may not have been expressed by your words. So I think empathy is really not just listening to the words, but really trying to listen to the, the underlying feelings where the person is on what they're talking about. It's really powerful. So I think empathy is really big glue. <laughs>
0: yeah, it big, sounds like big it.
2: connecting glue, big connecting glue to the other person. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It makes me think about uh listening with the heart
2: in a way. Yeah. Well, right. that's that's right. If you're listening altruistically, then I need to listen from your point of view, listen to where you're coming from. Uh and that would be that would be listening in a loving way. Yes, right. exactly. Right.
0: Um is empathy. Something that's easier to be practiced um, by women more than men.
2: Well, that's a good question. I I think without being too sweeping in generalities that all women are like this or all men are like that. It's never never good to go that way, but I do think that women have, uh, and that's been my experience in my classes. They they are more, it seems like they're almost more designed to be in tune. Maybe it's because they're the one that gives birth to the child and the man does not. Uh, Maybe it's because the baby comes out of their womb and the baby breastfeeds on their breast and the baby is cradled by them more than maybe by dad, even though dad is, of course, especially a very active dad, very much involved. But mom is really uh, literally the lifeline. Now that's the umbilical cord right there. So I think uh, women seem to have a greater design for that aspect of of love and caring and, and empathy. And I can tell you the women uh, want to come to my classes more than the guys. A lot of the guys are in the class because their wives dragged into the class. <laughs> and, and then they're happy to be in the class once they find out it's about, but, but the, they don't always walk into the door uh, voluntarily. Um, but I think... Uh, well, I've got a wife and, and two daughters, and my and I'm, I have a son. But I can tell you that my girl, our girls, everybody's in their thirties, are my three kids. But the, the girls are more um, wanted to be listened to, and they want to talk more. And uh, it's not that my son doesn't have anything to say or doesn't have any feelings. It's just a it's just a little bit different dynamic. So I think, but I think that I think that women, uh, I think by nature are 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 more empathic and they're more protective of the child too i think um maybe sometimes because they've had to protect the child again against a hot and heavy uh father of the child's life i don't know but it's not always the case where women are all like this and men are like that um but i i do think generally probably there's some special special thing there in the women
0: well i'm biased to <laughs> think say my wife- <laughs>
2: I tell you that. My wife is more like that. I can tell you
0: that. <laughs> uh, true. Yeah, I think so, too. For some reason, right? You said naturally. Yeah, It might be a built-in quality. Before we talk about the four keys, I would like to ask you this question. Do you also teach self-empathy?
2: Yes, I do i do teach self empathy and in fact that's my very first key which is empathic awareness of mm-hmm. the unique and special value of myself and the other person before you even start to get into listening and speaking on a on a particular topic is to pause and reflect on self empathy means i accept myself for who i am my pluses and minuses that i'm a i'm a i'm a i'm a being in motion a being in training a being Still in school of life, okay, and so is this other person, and that I can accept that I'm not perfect and I don't know all the answers. I can accept that I make mistakes, and it's not the end of the world. I need, but I can. I want to grow from that, and ideally not make the same mistake twice, um, and uh, and learn. And of course, life experience will do that, uh, and that's, and give the same same empathy for the other person so self empathy as uh, i think uh, you know self appreciation uh, self valuing uh there's a lot of shaming going on you know, i'm sure in your in your in your program there's a lot of you know, body shaming or attitude shaming and this and that you know, i'm not the, i'm not good enough there's so many ways to have negative self talk but i think filling our mind with positive self talk and i talk about that in my book is we need to have that mantra going all day long. I'm growing, I'm learning, I'm excited, I'm moving forward, rather than I'm not good at this. You know, who'd want to listen to me? Or, you know, they're better than me. Um, I'm not as pretty, I'm not as handsome, you know. Uh, Those things are demeaning, that's not true. That's not how God looks at us. And so I want to look from God's viewpoint. If he thinks I'm good, that's cool with me. (laughs) (laughs) I I can, I need to adopt that that viewpoint.
0: Yeah, how wonderful! I'm wondering if this is a practice for life. I think so. It is, right?
2: Well, I think it's a good way to go. I think you know. You wake up in the morning, and you don't. You think you know how much of the day is going to happen the way you thought, but a lot of it's going to come spontaneously, just like your warm-up questions. <laughs> <laughs> right. So. I know about my book, but I didn't know what you were going to ask next. But it's nice to be available. Yeah. How cool is that? I, I can All tell you that I haven't been asked that many warm uh, up questions uh, <laughs> recently, for sure. <laughs>
0: um, so, this was key one uh, empathic awareness skill, two empathic listening skill.
2: Well, yeah, empathic listening is to listen to understand the other person's thoughts or feelings. From their point of view, it's really. And that's why I called it empathic listening. Some people call it uh, reflective listening, power listening, uh, active listening. And that means, uh, if you will, to actively want to listen from where they're coming from. And I go into the various steps involved. A lot of times our problems are. uh, And Stephen Covey, the famous author who wrote uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he said most people listen with the intent to reply rather than to understand. and so. Listening with the viewpoint of replying means I'm thinking of what I'm going to say next rather than really, you think I'm listening, but actually I'm preparing to speak. That's not fair. Uh, if I I really need to listen to, to want to understand, and I think not only your vocabulary, but the uh, the the meaning of the words from your point of view let alone my own definition why are you saying it in that way what are what are your underlying feelings to the two sentences you just mentioned to me uh on whatever the subject is so i think uh, empathic listening is really listening to understand and frankly it's a it's a real act of love i think it's a act of it's an act of living for the sake of the other person if you will um it's not about me right now but it's about you or about the other person and i think the person feels uh, the authenticity and the sincerity there. And they may end up saying more than what they thought they were because they feel your sincerity is cre- creating a greater receptacle to receive them. And uh, the more you listen, uh, the better. And, and one of the keys of, of the depth of empathic listening is to say back the essence of what you heard, uh, which means if you tell me something and I'm really listening from your point of view, then I, then I might say, okay, so Valeria, you're really concerned about this or con- about that exact right. And so that helps me calibrate and, and and make sure I got it right. And you might say, yes, Bento, that's exactly how I feel. Or you might say, well, yes, but more so like this. And and, and so then I, I get it right. So saying back rather than just nodding my head and you think I got the whole thing when I didn't, saying back the essence of what I heard you say and your underlying feelings helped make sure I got it right. And the speaker really appreciates the, the sincerity of the listener really wanted to get to their side of the equation, get to where they're at. It's like, wow, you really want to know where I'm coming from. How uh, valuable is that? Thank you, and uh, and hopefully they'll want to do the same to you when it's your turn to speak. So I think uh, it's it's probably one of the most beautiful things. But again, I think it 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 it's predicated by empathic awareness of my value and your value. That's why. I I came up with empathic awareness skill, which I don't hear in a lot of classes. They usually talk about how to listen well, how to speak well, how to dialogue well, how to problem solve. But if they're not really pausing first to recognize my unique and special value and the other person's unique and special value first and foremost, then we're just going to go off to the races with plumbing listening, speaking, dialogue without really valuing the other person. So I think... Especially if it's a heated argument, we can forget and say, "Wait, wait a minute! Uh, this person isn't my opponent right now. They have a different point of view, but I don't want to throw out the fact that they're a valuable human being because um, then we're we're going to be in trouble." Um, so, yeah, I get into that, and I I really I I I, I really drill into that one. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's my big one right there: empathic awareness, then empathic listening, and then speaking and dialogue. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love the way you start with self-awareness because that's the foundation, right? uh, Self-knowledge, self-appreciation. Once we do that, like we talked earlier about inner peace, then we are able to give. We can only give what we have. So that makes so much sense to me, the way you have um, the method that's a very effective method to become a better human being. So, and I also love the way you say that you're listening to understand because that has a lot to do with love. We can only love if we understand. So, understanding it's basic, it's foundation.
2: Yeah, in many of my classes, on that note, many of my classes, (laughs) I I get to the point. How many people here are fixers? That if your if your partner talks about something (laughs) that's a problem, immediately your mind moves to fixing. A lot of hands go up. And uh, my hand would have gone up in the past because you hear somebody talking about something they're troubled about and you're immediately trying to think, how can I help them? How can I help them? How can I fix this? How can I fix this? And, uh, but listening to fix is not listening to understand. And so um, uh, even though you think you're trying to be helpful, but a lot of times just by listening and parking your fix-it ideas for the moment, but just to listen, a lot of times a person will be able to articulate what's busily going on emotionally inside themselves which is so unclear and and no vocabulary but by make by that by you being a good listener they take these feelings and put them into coherent sentences for you the listener but now their feelings become coherent sentences for them and it's like the listener allow listener the the, the listener pro, enables the speaker to put their thoughts on the table, and then they can start connecting the dots and thinking what they need to do. And then they might say after several minutes, hey, thanks for listening. This really helped me a lot. I think I know what I need to do. And you're thinking, I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> I just I just listen. But you provide me a sounding board for this chaos inside of them to finally become clear. And so I think it's uh, listening actually has a voice. It says, I'm here for you, Use me to make, to make yourself clear. <laughs> use, use me to, to clarify what's in your heart and mind. Wow. So it's powerful. Yeah.
0: Very powerful. What comes to mind for me is compassion. I, that's very compassionate, if we can do that. And sounds also highly spiritual for some reason, because now the idea is to replace the I with we. It's about us. Oh, boy.
2: Yeah, very beautiful. Very beautiful. Very beautiful. It really, it really brings two people together, and it—you have your unique identities, but there's a melting, I think, that happens, or a joining that happens. In fact, compassion—the word C O M uh, comes from cum C U M, which is Latin, which means with. Uh, compi- I'm sure you know compassionate uh, means passionate. Come together with passion uh, to the other person. Um, yeah, powerful. Wow, really, really powerful.
0: I love your work and your wisdom. <laughs> Um, so, key three: empathic speaking skill.
2: Well, empathic speaking, which is my third key, and again, I go into all these keys in the book and the steps involved, and, and opportunities for self-reflection at the end of each chapter, is uh, in the same way that I want to listen with empathy. I want to be able to express myself in such a way that I don't, don't that I don't injure the other person, or I don't come off hot and heavy, or I I don't disrespect the other person. That's not going to be good. It's not going to. It's not going to serve me well either. They're going to. They're going to clam up or retaliate or put up a wall, and uh, they're not going to listen to me. And so, if I want to be heard, I want to speak in such a way that I make it as easy as possible for the person to understand where I'm coming from, even if I'm upset about something. So, I use in the book something which is already publicly out there. People can even Google it, but I get into it in detail in my book. What we call the empathic message, or the empathic, or the X Y Z message, or the X Y Z statement, which is, for example, instead of somebody saying, uh, which is non-empathic, which would say, "How come you're all yelling at me all the time when we talk about our finances?" You know, what's the matter with you? Um, Which is kind of a, you know, obviously like guns a blazing. Um, The X Y Z message would be more of. An eye message. When we spoke about our finances this morning, which is the X, and I was sharing what I wanted to say, and you didn't seem to care what I what I said, which is the Y, I really felt frustrated and even hurt by that. So instead of saying, You idiot, why didn't you listen to me? <laughs> which is accusatory and blameful, I'm basically sharing my feelings of how I felt. Uh, Because without that kind of skill, some people are like, well, I only have two options. Either I can fire back at the other person, you know, you idiot, why'd you do that, da-da-da-da-da. Or I just bite the bullet, I clam up, shake my head and say, there he goes again or there she goes again. And neither one of those is helpful. Either I blow up or I bury it. And uh, being buried means I'm just building up resentment and it's going to flashpoint somewhere. But there are ways for me to do it in a non-adversarial, finger-pointing, accusatory way. So empathic speaking is, is uh, again, leading with empathy, leading with that point of view of valuing the other person, valuing my view, myself, valuing my viewpoint. I'm not caving in, but I, I'll be able to express myself, but do it more skillfully and thoughtfully. And I, I say right there, if you blurt, you could hurt. And most people, I say, how many people have said something in the heat of the moment only to regret within a few seconds that you did that because of the big mess that you made? Everybody, Everybody puts up their hand. And how valuable would it have been to pause for a moment? And everybody says, yeah, that would
0: have been smart. Wow. I love this idea of pausing because uh, some of us practice a lot uh, self-awareness and self-love. But it's not just loving ourselves and loving others at the same time, which I what I believe in and I practice. But it's also uh, knowing how to do it. So you say skills. So we need to have this these skills, the this skill set.
2: Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're not born with that. So we should forgive ourselves for not having those skills. You're not born knowing how to build a house. You're not born you're not born knowing how to, how to ride a bike. And we're not born knowing actually how to do good, strong relationship skills. And many of us were not raised in environments where we saw that modeled in our household. So a lot of us are in serious repair mode, trying to figure out, well, that's how I saw my mom and dad do it. And no wonder I'm doing it the same way. And I did, I swore I wouldn't, but here I am. Uh, so skills are things you learn. And, and like anybody knows, you don't get it right the first time, you're gonna fall off the bike. You're gonna make a mistake on that piano piece. You're not gonna, but then you get a little better at it. You learn from your mistakes, you get back on the bike and you do it better. And so these skills, uh, yeah, skills are things you learn and don't, don't think that, you know, don't beat yourself up because you don't automatically know them. We have ears, we have eyes, we have a mouth, yes, we can speak, but how to use these well takes training and takes modeling. So uh, it does. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what my book is about. That's why be a
0: training vehicle. Yeah. 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 And it's so true. We do need those skills, right? Practice them and build them. Um, I have a question for you before we talk about the, the last one, uh, key four empathic dialogue. I have a question. So how do we know the difference between uh, when we are dealing with others, when they are highly sensitive, because some people, they are highly sensitive people, or empaths, which is the same thing to me in a way, and the ego mind, it's all about me. So everything, doesn't matter how you say it, I'm going to be defensive.
2: Uh, Okay, so the egoistic or the egoic uh, mind, if I know the person and I know that they're particularly sensitive, uh, let's say, or egoistic, or I, I think that they are, and not necessarily that that tendency is in and of itself bad. Because people, there is a level of self survival. There's a level, of take care of myself. There, you know, self value. But but not not to be to the point where I'm so self narcissistic that I, it's only about me and forget everybody else. It's got to be if I'm valuable, so is the other person. So I would guess that um, I might say in that case, without knowing the topic. I might say, you know, I, I want to share something with you and I hope you'll be open to to hear what I have to say. Um, it may not be easy for you to hear this, but I still hope nonetheless that you'll be able to, to hear it from my point of view. So I might try to set the stage for this person knowing they're going to be hearing something that might uh, prick their, their ego, but I'm qualifying it that I really want them to understand me. In other words, I'm not coming to hurt you but I really want to be understood, and I want you to be open for that. Uh, and then I will do the X Y Z message again, depending on the topic. So I think I'm trying to let them know up front. Look, I'm sensitive to where you're at. Uh, I, I'm I'm also sensitive to your maybe tendency um, to be self-concerned or ego Ego.
0: yeah that's fun it's, to say that I would leave that out
2: <laughs> yeah I, I, it's a good question I think you know all these things need to be custom made you don't uh, you got a pair of scissors but every piece of paper is different <laughs> <That's> uh, true <laughs> so <laughs> So true. Uh, uh, you know, and whatever so you're doing, maybe scissor I'm <laughs> trying to cut somebody. But anyway, do uh, <laughs> you yeah. bring this in so the other person will be able to receive it. At the end of the day, though, this is where I, this I think is a big point. You cannot control the other person's behavior. And sometimes, and people will teach this, you got to be authentic. You don't want to be abrasive or hurting, but you still cannot control where they're coming from. And that should not pre- prevent you from being authentic yourself. So, but... How to be authentic in a constructive way versus, say, a fire-breathing way. That's where I'm coming from. But even then, uh, you could do your best, but there's, you can't live the life of the other person. Um, but you can try to model good behavior, and hopefully they'll pick up on it and discover that maybe your way is a better way. Mm.
0: Oh, I love that. Uh, you're so compassionate. Yeah, I love, love, absolutely love this about you and your work. What he just said now, yeah, being a reference, just if we are what we are, that's it. That's all we can do. And this is the ultimate teaching method anyway, being the model, right? Living the truth ourselves, whatever we want to teach, being that.
2: mm -hmm.
0: I agree. I agree. And I love what he said about we cannot control others, right? And the outcome, right? So the last key is the key for empathic dialogue.
2: Yeah, this is probably the the simplest one because it's based on the other three being understood and hopefully being in place is empathic dialogue is really the pattern of taking turns. Uh, it's as simple as that, that if I'm empathically aware of you, of your value and my value, and then I, I listen empathically to your viewpoint on this and I express myself well, then we go back and forth like that. Ideally, we both are doing these skills. That makes it easy so that... Uh, you know i'm 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 uh, constructive and empathic and skillful communicating to you and you are doing the same with me uh, that's ideal but even and we found this even in, and they've done studies on this if even one person is skillful in the dialogue and the communication and even and the other person is not, it will help make the the, the dialogue go better because it's less likely to go off track, or the other person uh, get inflammatory, and then I I get inflammatory back, and you know da 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 da. But if I stay in skill, the other person's hot flames will not be met by, by with hot flames. They will be met by something like, okay, so you're really upset with what I said. You're you're you're, you're you you think I totally misunderstood you, and they're pretty, yeah 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 yeah. Okay, so so you wished I did it better. Okay, well I'll try to do it better. So in other words, you're not going to meet fire with fire. You're going to say at some point. And we've seen this in our classes, the person will start flaming themselves out. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> I'm running out of gas here. Uh-huh. I don't need I don't need to be inflamed because the person is not not uh, you know they're not combustible. <laughs> they're not they're <laughs> not fighting back. so they're so then it, it tends to lower the the pitch and lower the the storm. But, uh, yeah, the pattern of taking turns and and we do that in our classes, and I do that in in the book is when I talk about, how to use this with uh, problem solving and, and how to, and I go into the uh, listening blocks to effective communication and how those uh, are, some of them are even uh, well-intended, like trying to be the fixer is really a listening block. Um, But anyway, to get back to your question, uh, yeah, dialogue, I think is uh, wrapping it all together. And I think if you practice these four skills and you get better and better at it, there's nothing to come up that you can't uh, handle. uh, I think and uh and you're not going to be um, you'll be a piece of being able to get into conversations, even uh, ones that are difficult,
0: yeah, I agree. What a wonderful work you have. It's a fascinating topic. and again, I absolutely love the way your first key is self-awareness. so always coming back to us to take responsibility. yeah, I take responsibility for my relationships, for my life as a whole and that's how everything can become better and lead to well-being. I have a few more final questions for you. But before that, there's another fascinating topic, which I think you speak about this too, non-verbal communication. Uh, we know that this is a huge part of communication between people.
2: Well, yes. And I uh, again, I keep referring to my book. I do mention that in there because that is another way that, quote-unquote, uh, we listen and speak, quote-unquote, even if it's not oral through our mouth, but uh, the way that we um, look at one another, the the posture that we have. Uh, they've done studies at least at two places. I think it was the University of Pennsylvania and uh, uh, University of California, Los Angeles and their psychology departments. And they came up to the conclusion, both independent of each other, that uh, interpersonal communication is largely nonverbal, largely nonverbal. Uh, in fact, in LA, I think they said it was like 90-something percent is, most, is nonverbal. And the other one said, no, nah, that's way too much, it's 60%. Well, either way, it's well over 50% is uh, your attitude, your demeanor, uh, whether you're looking and facing the other person or looking at your cell phone while they're talking, whether you're sitting back and folding your arms with a smug look on your face or whether you're leaning forward more openly. Um, show in with a sincere heart, and you can tell by your face if you're blocking or if you're open, open. And so I think, uh, yeah, body language, uh, quote unquote, says a lot. It has a voice. Uh, <clears throat> and um, again, I get into that. So I think it is important to to uh, when it's time to speak, then uh, I'm trying to listen, listen. now, I also say that if it's not the right time, rather than fake it and be, typing and the other person's trying to talk to you, <clears throat> then then ask them, you know, um, I, I'm in doing this right now and I want to give you my full attention. Could this wait a few minutes? And the person, the person may say yes because they want your full attention. Or they may say, <clears throat> I really need to talk to you now. And then you have to, you have to, you have to weigh that new information by saying, well, this is this got a little higher on the on the thermometer than I may have thought. And maybe this, this supersedes what I'm working on. And then I better put that down and really look their direction. But I don't want to divide my attention. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, body language really, really says a lot. And we want to face the other person. I tell people in my class, don't, don't just sit side by side and crane your neck to look at the other person. Turn your chairs to face each other. And that way you see the whole picture. Uh, and, I, and I think then you might listen more through your eyes than through your ears, which is uh, interesting uh, because your eyes behold a lot. Uh, they see a lot. They, they see information coming uh, a lot. It tells a lot of the story.
0: So true. But either way, Bento, it goes back to empathy. So verbal or nonverbal, everything, it goes back to what you teach. It's the foundation. It's having empathy. That's the thing that is very important about what you do. It doesn't really matter, verbal, nonverbal. It's just about all about love, <laughs> the way I put it.
2: <laughs> well, and I think so. And I, and even though I'm, I, I, I and others will introduce a term empathy, I think we are designed with that seed within us to blossom as an empathic person, to blossom as a reach out, relate with other person. I don't think that's... An outside invention I think there's a there's a definition of of, of a human being is a relational being and uh, therefore if I'm designed to be relational I should be designed to uh, relate well with you internally and externally and uh, so it's just it's just awakening that that seed and, and guiding that seed if you will
0: yeah it's like going back yeah to our yeah, same nature. Yeah, that's so true. So I have a few more questions for you before I ask them. Would you like to add anything or read a passage um, in your book?
2: I think that the key thing is be respectful at all times. I think that's the most important thing, whether you're speaking or listening. I think being empathically aware of the other person. I think respect is really, really a beautiful term. Think before you speak is important. We've, we've often heard that in our lives listen to truly understand rather than listen to fix. And I, I, I think these all, these other two things, be grateful, have an attitude of gratitude. I think being grateful is just powerful. And grateful and grace are, are kind of uh, similar root words. They just appreciate. Uh, they just appreciate being alive, appreciating others. I mean, uh, who knows how much time we have, but every single minute is just valuable. Uh, we're just grateful for the sun, grateful for the rain, grateful for life, grateful for even challenges. Just gratitude, I think, is a is a great big engine, a big a big big part of personal fuel on the inside. I also think it's important to practice self care, which means I think being healthy, get exercise, aerobic exercise. Why? Because you're that's the vessel that you have to be the empathic, empathic person you want to be. But if you're exhausted. If you're stressed out, if your diet is all over the place, if you're not getting any exercise, well, then your receptacle is really behind the eight ball now. When you're going to try to care for other people, you're going to be too exhausted to care for other people, and uh, and and you're going to be too or- ornery. <laughs> uh, so I think there's a there's a there's a relationship between uh, taking time out for oneself. Now some people may think, well, isn't that being self-centered? Well. It's not self-centered for me to take care of myself so I can be better relating with you. And so uh, if I'm exhausted because I haven't been doing self-care, well, then how am I helping you? So I think uh, sometimes we've got to take one or two steps back to take 10, 20, 30 steps forward. I know that Stephen Covey, again, I like going back to him, his seventh habit is sharpen the saw, which means instead of swinging with a dull blade in life, Or or swinging with an exhausted self, take some time, recover, replenish, uh, rejuvenate, do the things that pep you up. Now you're ready to go and be a benefit for others. So uh, self-care, I think, uh, don't want to forget that.
0: Yeah, yes, a thousand times. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Two more questions for you. Um, If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently?
2: Wow, boy, boy. Uh, I, if I knew I would die today, I would do what Stephen Jobs said at his Stanford uh, Stanford uh, uh, speech uh, graduation, which was, if you live each day like it's your last, one day you'll be right. And uh, if, I, if I really knew I was going to, if tomorrow was not going to happen at the stroke of midnight, I would be done. I would really reach out I would really love others. I'd probably reach out to some people that I thought, you know, I really need to clean up something there. I need to apologize for something I may have said or done that they still may remember or they may not have forgot. They may have forgot it and they may not even realize, well, I didn't even know that happened. But but I know that something happened or I feel it. something did. I may want to clean up something, but I would surely tell everybody I could. Personally, I love you. You have meant the world to me. I look forward to seeing you on the other side, but, but I hope I'll be in your mind because you, you will be in mine. Uh, if I would, I would go bananas today, reaching out and tell each person I love them. Oh boy. Boy, oh boy. I would do that. I try to do one-on-one as possible. Yeah. And if I couldn't do one-on-one, I'd Facebook and I'd say, (laughs) y'all, I may, all be, I may all be gone by the time you see this, but I love you and I want you to know that.
0: Right, right. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's the interesting thing about life. We don't know when that's going to happen, right? We don't
2: know. We don't know. So therefore, every minute is precious. and uh, Yeah, to do
0: whatever we would do on that last day, right? Yeah,
2: that's nice, yeah.
0: And my last question to you is, uh, what are three things about life you know for sure as of now?
2: Oh, boy. You ask the greatest questions. <laughs> um, I know that love exists and I feel it. And I know uh, that's number one. I know that I am loved by God, by my wife, by the universe. I know that life is forever. Um, I don't know if those all sound like the same answer to the. If Those are all one answer. Uh, but I tried to parse them out to three. But um I believe that uh, the physical body goes away, just like you park your car when you get where you're going to go. But then you get out of the car. Um, I don't think the story's over, I at all. I I believe in a in a future. I I love. I am loved, and life is forever. I do believe that, and that that I think gives me confidence to do everything else. Beautiful. Wow, you asked the greatest questions, Valeria. What? <laughs>
0: Uh, and you have great answers, Bento. Um, I love your wisdom. Thank you.
2: Well, thank you for asking. Wonderful. And thank Wonderful. you for asking about my book. And I hope you tell people about my website and where they can get it. Oh, oh. yes,
0: absolutely. This is one of my, uh, that's my final technical question. Before, I want to thank you again for your presence, genuine presence, the work you do, the message, the important message you putting out there, and um, your wisdom. I love your wisdom.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you. You've asked some wise questions.
0: Made it easy. <laughs> and my final technical question is that one. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects?
2: Okay. Well, you can go, audience can go to uh, amazon.com uh, or amazon, wherever you're at, .co.uk if you're in England or whatever. And but my book is four, the number, just like the number four, uh, four Essential Keys to Effective Communication and Love Life Work Anywhere. That's a mouthful. But if you type in my name, Bento, B-E-N-T-O, Leal, L-E-A-L, uh, you'll get it there. And, uh, or you can just go to my website, and there's a button right there on the top where it will take you to Amazon, and that's BentoLeal, B-E-N-T-O-L-E-A-L.com. It's as simple as that. And that's where I've got a little more about what I do and, and certainly when you go to my book at Amazon, it'll talk about description more about the author. Uh, if you click on my name, it actually opens up to my author page at Amazon. And you'll be able to see there And I also wrote a a little uh, poetry book there, too, called Band of Angels. That's a Kindle book. But um, yeah, and if you get my book, please post a review. Reviews are gold, okay? And I'm not going to tell you to write a five-star. That's up to you. But uh, if you get my book, please post a review. They mean a lot. And um, I read every single review. So, thank you.
0: Wonderful. Thank you, Bento. And uh, we'll talk soon.
2: Very good, Valeria. Thank you yeah. very much. A <laughs> real treat. Real treat. Bye for now. Bye. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you for listening. To learn more about Bento Leal, please visit his website, bentoleal.com.